Case 24, Apart from Words. A monk asked Feng Shui, words and silence imply Li and Wei. How can one penetrate and be free from both without error? Feng Shui replied, reminiscing about Jiangnan in March, where the partridges sing, is where the hundred flowers emit fragrance. Woman's comment. Feng Shui's activity functions like lightning. When there is a path, he immediately walks it. But why does he not cut off the tongue of the for former poet? If you gain intimacy here, then you will naturally find a way out. Put aside the samadhi of eloquence. Say something about it. With unrefined words of no backbone, he imparts the meaning before it was even spoken. The more you ramble on, the more you lose your way. Okay, let's read the commentary. Um, Not yet, Nancy. If we can discuss this a moment. Um, Is that all right? It's okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. sure. We can. Okay. Okay, y'all. So... When You're, I first are you going to explain this to us? No, I'm just going to explain a part of myself to you. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a part of me that already takes issue with this koan. So my first impression when I read just words and silence imply and, and the question, I thought, oh, this is meant for me. But then when we read woman's comment, there's a part of me that uh, took issue with it, um, knowing that without further explanation, I'm already in disagreement with it. Think about that, think about that construct. And the issue is with the words themselves. And one of the words is uh, something about eloquence, uh, unrefined words. And, and so this part of me says, you know, there is, and because I know this part of me is defending me, right, I, there's a difference between um, eloquence, elegance, refined words, and clarity. And sometimes not using words is for the sake of not mudding the waters because the words of clarity aren't there. And then I went on to think about, okay, well, what do they mean by li and we or way? Because I know that in English, in the law, silence assumes assent that you're agreeing. So if you're not in agreement with whatever's going on, use your words. Maybe that's what this is saying. So I guess I'm just saying that um, a part of me is just, is, is just um, in a defensive mode on this going, wait, wait, wait a minute. You're using words that really aren't uh, clear and I need to understand more. And then the koan implies that if we sit with a certain mind, a quote, reminiscing about Zhang, Zhang Nan, the fragrance of a thousand flowers will arise in our words. That's how I read that. Just sit with a certain mind and the fragrance will arise in your words. And in the moment, I don't trust that that's true. So that's where I am in the moment. Go ahead, Larry. Well, I, I wasn't going to respond to you. I was going to 
say what I saw. That's okay. If that's all right. Unless somebody yeah. wants to say something about it. Um, well, I just had this idea. I think of when I hear words in silence, I think about um, when you're talking about, when one is talking about or trying to talk about enlightenment, you know, trying to talk about it to others, that you, you have silence, you sit in silence for sure to clarify the mind and so forth and so on. And that's useful, but you have to, um, if you're going to discuss enlightenment, you, you, you have to say something. You can't just be silent. It's like the Buddha was silent, but, but, the, but he also spoke a lot, right? <laughs> and so, but neither one or the other is enough. And so mm -hmm. that's what I was understanding. Um, and the words, as they say in here, and it's also quoted in other places that words, um, the more you talk about something, the further you get from the, the truth. And so in the second part, um, he asks, how can we penetrate and be free from both without error? What I see in the reminiscing about this in, in March with the participation is that it's like in, in March, it's like seeing things for the way they are, that the partridges are singing, they're self-actualizing there in the moment, mm -hmm. as are the hundred flowers which are emitting fragrance. And it's the same as anything else. Everything is actualizing at the same time. We're all actualizing here at the moment, self-actualizing. So the words and the silence are, it's not like they're beside the point, but how do you get free of it? It's not it's also seeing if you can see clearly and see that the self-actualizing that's going on, which is enlightenment. Anyway. And that's why you're the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Let's see what Google Goose says. I'm sure it'll be far field. <laughs> so so the um, I'm connecting singing with words and fragrance with, with silence. Mm. And, um, and also we have this thing of, of not one, not two. So the words and silence aren't separate, but go together. Mm. Like where one comes, the other one comes. That, mm. um, I don't know what Lee and Wei is. I don't know either. And I wondered if- Nancy, do you know those words? Mm, no. Okay. Wrong, wrong language. Is there a glossary in this thing? There is a, is there? No, but usually when uh, we read towards the end, that's where Google talks oh, about the meaning. Yes. I'm looking it up in the dictionary and it's showing. Li is a Chinese unit, unit of distance. Um. Well, that's the only Chinese, and it's about a third of a mile, 0.3 of a mile. Let's see what it says about Wei. And I don't know if that's, and Wei, a traditional Chinese board game. Chinese from Wei, surround, means key, 
It means surround. So what distance and surround? I well, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I think they will explain in the yeah. commentary, right? Oh, it is. I I just see it. I have. I'm not reading it because I I don't want to read this until we get there. So he does explain it. Well, he explains everything. Yeah. He's then wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Let's see how far okay. we are. Let's read the commentary, right? Mm -hmm. Let's do it in order. So, Kim, you will be the first Okay. One. Laurie, and then me, and <laughs> Stephanie. Okay. Guo Gu's comment. As this case makes allusion to Chinese philosophy and literature, it may be hard to understand even the surface meaning of the case. <laughs> However, this case or go on is quite, is actually quite simple. Words and silence do not hinder each other. But if you're entangled by either, especially when you are caught up in your proliferation of words, ideas, and notion, you lose your way. So they're both traps. Here is, here is basically the gist of this case. A monk asks Fen, Fen, Tui, Fen Tui about being free from the duality of words and silence. And Fen Tui replies by citing a famous poem, poem of no special significance. Wu Men says the poem doesn't even have backbone or substance to it and comments that before the spoken word, the truth is already revealed anyway. So there's no need to ramble on and on about it in the first place. In fact, any damn poem would do just fine. <laughs> <laughs> The main person in this story is Chen Master Feng Shui Yan Zhao, who is the fourth generation descended from Chen Master Li Jin Yi Xuan. By the beginning of the northern song dynasty, three of the first main lineages of Chen, the woman Wei Yan and Fa Yan lineages had on this song, with only the lynching and countdown lies remaining. Feng Shui was the most important Lin Chi Chan master in the beginning of the Northern Song. In this time, during the five dynasties, he was known as Kuan Sao, not Yang Sao. The Chinese character change was forced on everyone during the beginning of Northern Song because the first song emperor's given name was and no one in the empire was allowed to have the characters Kuan and Yin in their names. Fensuel was the place he later became associated with, and it became part of his epithet. You may perhaps understand this case better through Feng Shui Kuang Shao's own life. He left the household life in his late 20s. He was learned and well-versed in Confu Confucian classics, 
His family was prosperous enough for him to receive a proper education at a time when most people were illiterate. His level of study was high enough that he could take the civil service examination, which was imperially sponsored. There are different degrees of examination, local, provincial, national, and anyone who passed the highest level automatically became high officials in the Imperium, which was how the Chinese recruited officials. Both his father and brother had taken that examination and had high expectations of him passing it too. <clears throat> Pardon me. When, but when Feng Shui arrived at the capital to take it, he just left. Had he taken the test, he could easily have become a local government official. Instead, he decided to become a Buddhist monk. He studied the Tiantai philosophy, but felt it unsatisfying, so he gave it up. He decided to visit various Chan teachers of his day, including Chan Master Huiyan, the subject of Case 12. Finally, he met a monk named Sholan, the attendant to Chan Master Nanguan Huiyong, and was so impressed that he went to visit the master himself and eventually became Nanguan's Dharma heir. When Feng Shui first met Nan Wan in the abbot's quarter, quarters, the latter asked him, where did you come from? I was on a summer rain retreat and met your attendant monk, Sholan, Feng Shui replied. Nan Wan said, oh really, what did he say to you? To which Feng Shui replied, he encouraged me to always be my own master. Nan Wan whacked him as soon as he heard that and said, get out. What use is a monk who has already accepted his defeat? Feng Shui was, was shaken by these words. He couldn't understand their meaning. All along, he had been holding on to the, to the one who understands, the one who should be one's master. To Nan Wan, that was like holding on to something that is bound to fail. Why? Because there is no such a thing as the self. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, this sense of not knowing and wonderment about why he was wrong remained with Feng Shui in all his daily activities. He couldn't penetrate it as he worked <coughs> as a gardener at the monastery one day Nanyuan went to the garden to check out how he was doing. Holding his staff, he asked, how do folks in the South discern this staff? Feng Shui replied, they think it's something like something special. How do you discern it, Master? Nanyuan said, with this staff, the patience of the unborn is born. In meeting circumstances, resort not to asking the teacher. Upon hearing that, Feng Shui was greatly enlightened. I mean, that's such uh, not the common advice we get, right? Don't listen to the teacher. Feng Shui had Feng Shui had always resorted to relying on something or someone else when he studied Tian Te doctrine. He relied on the scriptures, 
When he was sparked by Sholan to study Chan, he relied on the surface meaning of being one's own master. Now, when he was asked what Lingji Chan was about, symbolized by the staff, he replied that it was special, as if it were something outside of him. Finally, Nan Yuan scolded him, making this basic point. Don't rely on anyone outside of yourself. The unborn wisdom of awakening is here. The unborn in Buddhism refers to the non-arising of delusion. <clears throat> Nan Wan's word shattered Feng Shui's wonderment and cut right through his intellectual mind. How do you respond to words and silence in life? Aren't you wrapped up in ideas and words? As soon as the teacher asks you a question such as, What's your understanding of Chen? Your mind starts to spin with answers. This is this, and it is this or that. Some Zen people mimic earlier masters, giving a shout or slamming the floor or remaining silent. All of these responses are wrong. Works and language cannot display reality. On, on, uh, on expressions or constructs, silence is not a better response in case you thought it was. This is the point of the monk who questioned Feng Shui. Words and, and silence imply Li and Wei. How can one penetrate and be free from both without error? The word Li and Wei come from a phil philosophical treatise by the fifth century Buddhist master Sheng Shao, a student of Jumo, someone help me, Ju Jumoyoshi or Kumari Jiva. Kumari Jiva. Thank you. The great translator who accurately and eloquently helped to establish a correct understanding of Buddhism in China. In this treatise, Sheng, Sheng Shao used very Chinese notions to convey the Buddhist teachings in the way he understood them. The word Li refers to Li graph, the 64 hexagram of the Yingjin or the Book of Changes, commonly known in English as the I Ching, an ancient, an ancient uh, divination text. It symbolizes ultimate truth, transcendence, essence, and subjectivity. Wei means subtlety. It also refers to the manifold, uh, manifold manifestations or functions of the Li. Li and Wei in a Chinese philosophical way of describing the world through opposites. I'm sorry, let me read that again. Li and Wei is a Chinese philosophical way of describing the world through opposites. Setting up Li and Wei as opposites here refers to words and silence as opposites. This way of framing things assumes that essence and appearance, root and branches, ultimate and conventional realities, words and silence are separate from each other. Not getting caught up in this duality, Feng Shui simply cites a famous poem, poem by du, du Fu, one that any Chinese person would definitely know. This poem was composed after Du Fu visited the southern Yangtze River, that is Jiangnan, during a beautiful spring in March. He wrote, reminiscing about 
Jiangnan in March, where the partridges sing, is where the hundred flowers emit fragrance. Something I've, I've heard is that in Japan, you would never say to someone, I love you, but rather you would say, isn't the moon beautiful tonight or something. Mm -hmm. So it's that same idea that, that talking about nature and the beauty in nature, what is the most we can do to express something. It's not really words, it's bringing about an image, I think. Mm. That, that would be Chinese, right? Or are you talking Japanese? Oh, well, that's, uh, yeah, I don't know if that makes a difference. Ah. Notice it more with the, maybe because I've seen it more, the Chinese. Well, and the Japanese too, Ryokan does that. Anyway. Who's reading now? I think you are. The, or this, Ste Stephanie. Stephanie. Okay. This passage is not only famous, but also something that is actually happening. What do flowers do besides look pretty? They emit fragrance. What do birds do? Not just partridges, but any bird. Sing, call, and chirp. There is no self in there anywhere. The interesting thing about <gasps> Feng Shui's reply is that he is not even using his own words. There's no need to reply to questions with originality. Why? Because the very question in the way that it is framed is already wrong. The truth is, there is no need to reveal the truth of how things are, or the teaching of our school, or to defend anything through words. It is already right there, right now. Everything is readily apparent and natural. Inciting someone else's poem that describes the workings of nature without self-reference, his own reply is absent of a subject. And Gwei's response points out something that is very natural in the natural world. The truth is here. You, in your own way, naturally live out your life every day, every moment. Everything as such is all good. <coughs> you are already fundamentally free in the most natural way of being. <coughs> a flower that emits fragrance, a bird that sings, a person who responds, none of these need any self. If your job is a waitress, serve. If your role is to be a mother, love your children. Whatever you do, just do. Is that how you usually do things? <clears throat> you tend to complicate things, don't you? You mistake the natural and dynamic functioning of your mind and body as needing a referential subject to attach to. You may naturally assume subjectivity in response to a particular role, but you do not necessarily need subjecthood. Perhaps you can substitute the ancient philosophical paradigm of Lee and Wei with your own paradigm of modern science. In the Zen-based stress reduction workshop, I, did, I discussed the silence is uh, behind self and brain. The brain has an extraordinary and sometimes very useful function of simulating self and events that help you navigate through daily life. This stimulated sense of who you are helps you make decisions. 
it helps you help others. But that stimulation is based on learned neurological patterning, mm -hmm. fragmented memory, and continual perception. It is unstable and unreliable. Essentially, you have mistaken the brain's natural ability to momentarily simulate a self, a permanent sense of me, I, and mine in response to different circumstances, which activates different regions of the brain to be who you are. I think it's... Uh, now Let me, I unmute it. Even in the brain, there is no unitary sense of self. You generate different cells as a byproduct of neurological synapses and patterns in different regions of the brain. The reflective self of witnessing what you're doing is generated by the neural connectors of the anterior cingulate cortex, the upper outer prefrontal cortex, and the hypothalamus. I'm sorry, hippocampus, sorry. The emotional self of knowing you're angry, jealous, and threatened is seated in the limbic system, amygdala, hypothalamus, part of the basal ganglia and upper brain stem. The narrative self of perceiving yourself as having a history that you are this or that kind of person comes mainly from midline cortical structures, temporal and um, partial, is that what that says? Parietal. Parietal lobes between the back and the front of the head and other systems. Finally, all of these layered experiences are mediated by your brain's perception of the body's ongoing engagement with the world. Think of your experience of being here and perceiving the world as being out there. The point of all of this is that your sense of self, or rather selves, is simply interconnectivity. It's true. Buddha Dharma considers this self a product of dependent arising. It is conditioned by various past experiences that continue to habitually influence how you experience the world. Repeated habits continue to strengthen certain neurological associations between events and feelings so that when you interact with people or assess the situations you're in, you continue to experience through your own idiosyncrasies. You rely on an imagined and unstable processor to make decisions, much like the way one might rely on a pair of, say, green lenses to see the world. Of course, the world becomes green. Some analogies of this process include how you may see a rope and think it's a snake, how seeing someone looking at you in a certain way makes you feel that perhaps something is wrong with you or the person wants something from you, or how you constantly tend to read people's minds even though what you are reading is actually products of your own conditioning or how you habitually think something negative is going to happen, or you are anxious about certain things, even though most of your worries never actually materialize, only to find out later that none of it was true. Your readings of yourself and others are wrong because these readings are based on faulty processors. At the base of this exper these experiences is grasping. Mm. Yeah, this remind me of the time when I asked one of my friends that, oh, is that person thinking like 
is what I think that person thinking. Is that correct? And then she said, I'm not a married. Why don't you ask him? <laughs> I think you're up, Kim. In the question, words and silence imply Lee and Wei. How can one penetrate and be free from both without error? And they're just curious, being free from them. would be uh, attaching to either one, maybe. Seems like the problem has never been words or silence, but the mistaken grasping of the natural functioning of our brain to divide self and others. Words and silence, bondage and freedom, right and wrong as real. This is how things become unnatural to such a point. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? I was reading ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, <laughs> right, I got ahead. Yeah. Worse in <laughs> silence, bondage and freedom. <laughs> right and wrong is real. This is how things become unnatural to such a point that you have a problem with flowers emitting fragrance. Or you get annoyed when birds sing. Or you become distressed when challenged. Bingo. <laughs> I'm not suggesting the color glasses through which we filter the world are completely useless. No, there is a history regarding why the glasses became the way they are. You will still need glasses to see the world, but in using them, don't become used by them. You can readily take them off when not needed. Everything has value and is useful, even your thinking mind. Longtime practitioners sometimes think, when can I stop these wandering thoughts to keep coming on and on and on? So you like peace and don't like wandering thoughts. But since having thoughts is the natural function of the brain, that's not where the problem lies. To be human is to have thoughts. The problem is grasping at the images filtered through the colored lens. Who says the truth cannot be expressed by words? Who says silence or gestures is better? When you free, everything is free. Words and silence, gestures do not hinder. Only self-grasping does. The Gen Master can use anything to be but teaching. He can borrow someone's words or use words from the sutras, especially for those people who are well-read and knowledgeable and who in their youth had to memorize <laughs> you fools from. Citing something they will resonate with is an appropriate teaching. So how do you transcend words and language? How do you get to know the truth? Haven't you heard the style post? They sing. Haven't you smell flowers? They have presence. Just, uh, just be as you are, free. Hmm. Birds go chirp, chirp, chirp. Flowers emit all kinds of fragrance. A mother will tell her daughter, clean up your room. A server will say, may I take away your plates? That's it. 
Whether or not the daughter cleans her room, the mother should not allow it to become vexation. Whether customers say thank you after you take their plates is another business. There is no self anywhere. Everywhere there's freedom. When self-grasping exists, there's, I mean, there's only bondage and vexation. Where self-grasping exists, there's only bondage and vexation. Hmm. Feng Shui's activity functions like lightning. When there is a path, he immediately walks it. But why does he not cut off the tongue of the former poet? If you gain intimacy here, then you will naturally find a way out. Put aside the samadhi of eloquence. Say something about it. When you don't inject a self where there is none, every activity is like lightning, natural and free. And I think that was the other thing about the fragrance of the birds, that they're natural and free. Mm -hmm. And everywhere a path opens as soon as you take a step. And everywhere a path opens as soon as you take a step. How can it not be this way? When you're blocked, there's no path. A path is only a path. When you start walking, functioning, responding, all in the most natural way, all things are like this. You just need to walk. You just need to stop injecting a self into whatever you do. Then everything opens up. This is intimacy. This is to be intimate with how things are, how you and everything truly are free. My teacher used to say, if you're smart, serve everyone. If you're not so smart, do more manual labor and offer yourself to the community. But don't think that a monk who cleans the toilet is somehow less than a monk who memorizes and lectures on scriptures. When I was a beginning novice in the monastery, every morning monks had the task of sweeping leaves in the parking lot. It was an endless and ultimately pointless work. The leaves kept on falling and the area was never free of them. I just wanted to get on with the job and soon be done so I could get to my meditation practice. Frustrated after a month, after I had figured out the quickest way to sweep up the foliage, I complained to my teacher. These people are sweeping from left to right, from right to left, and make all the piles of leaves all over the place. They're totally unsystematic in the way they're going about this, not at all productive. If you'll assign me to the task and to me alone, I'll have it done in half an hour. <laughs> Just get them to do something else. I can't work with them. My teacher said, no, everyone must do it together. Then it will take two hours just to sweep, I complained. Later, I discovered my own stupidity. I was using a measuring tape to size up everyone else and everything to classify them as right or wrong, valuing. For instance, sitting meditation work over sweeping as if menial work were not practice. These four months with natural sweep not to get on with meditation, not to beautify the monastery, not even for the sake of others who visit the monastery. Yet sweep. 
there's no stuff anywhere. Realize that you create your own obstacles and habitually your own affliction. afflictions in daily activities. Genuine practice is just the opposite. You see through your daily activities clearly, used with a way self referentiality so there's naturalness and harmony with on that is. As for the samadhi of eloquence or freedom in communicating this or that, it's all good. Don't you know that, quote, the more you ramble on, the more you lose your way, close quote. Mm. So this had nothing to do with what triggered that part of me. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know <laughs> yes <laughs> and that is what changed your initial impression yeah I have a question though about practice about um, what he was oh where's the page I think I've mixed up my pages um where it's just just sweep, just there's no self anywhere. I find that I think I was saying to, to Kim earlier today when we were talking about something that I find my biggest, one of my biggest stumbling blocks to my practice, and in that sense to my wisdom and also to my safety is the level of physical fatigue I feel. It just colors everything. And, and I don't know where it comes from. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm becoming more and more aware of, of it becoming more and more pronounced. And so um, what, um, that's what's the biggest stumbling block, I think, in, in, in light of this koan. To, to my practice these days, it's not that I don't um, sweep with joy if that's what the task is at hand or, or meditate and with joy when that is, not task, when that is the activity at hand. It's just that it seems that at some point, without my even being aware of it, this daunting fatigue sets in and I can't finish activities. And some of our activities are required during the day. You have to feed the doggies. You have to potty the doggies. You have to eat. <laughs> you know, you have to do certain things. And so I guess I'm wondering when he says, just be, just sweet, just, I don't know how to combine what, combine that in a in an opening way in a in a in a peaceful way both the fatigue and the just being of doing everyday things did i make any sense did that yeah what i'm okay. getting from what you said is it's easy when you're feeling like healthy and energetic to do things, but when you're not, it's much harder. Mm. Is that what you're saying? 
I'm saying my stumbling block. Yes, maybe. And see, let me see if this is how I, I made myself. My stumbling block is that my fatigue gets in the way of the joy. I want to have sweeping, darn it. So it sounds more like you're holding on to the joy. You're grasping at the joy ah. instead of letting the your practice be that you're fatigued. Yeah, I was kind of thinking similarly that if you make friends with the fatigue, the joy can come forth. With that. So what do you do when you absolutely have to get things done? I think I'd go to the doctor and see what why you have fatigue. Oh, well. <laughs> you weren't asking that. <laughs> no, no, and I appreciate that. And I don't want to make this all about my fatigue. I'm just, I really am trying to, to fall into the answer is what I'm trying to do. Ah, oh, like, you know, this awakening. I've done that. They've done the, the, the panel of tests. And I don't know, but I, I haven't done that in six months. It was six months ago. So I'll try that, Lori. It's a good suggestion. I'll do it again. Because you might have sleep apnea. I don't know if you've tested yourself for that. But anyway. No, I haven't. But that's a great idea. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening, for your yeah. ideas. And you know, just, Nelda, I think that's a problem that a lot of us face as we age um, is the difficulty of fatigue setting in, in, in the midst of our practice, of our wholehearted practice. Um, I feel very fortunate that um, Margaret Keyes is the one who invited me to um, Appamata many years ago. And when I first came, she usually was sitting in the morning when I would sit also, and then she slowly dropped off. And it was, it's been very helpful for me to hear from someone a few years older than me how difficult it is to continue her practice in the way that she was used to and the way that she still wanted to. And that, that really has helped me um, be less hard on myself. Stephanie, that's very useful because my normal sleep cycle from, you know, early teen years, Mm -hmm. I don't fall asleep until two, three. Last night it was four in the morning. And so I, I do set an alarm to get up for sitting at 6.30. And, yep. and so I've, the beauty of being retired is that I've adjusted my schedule so that as soon as that hour is over, I go back to bed. So I try to catch a nap there, but I'm not always able to because there are important emails to answer and there are questions to answer and there's doggies to feed. And so it may be an issue of um, giving myself enough permission and grace not to require that I hold myself in the same timetable and style of practice. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, I'm Thank sure I have, I have the same problem in terms of believing that there's things I need to do, you know, like, uh, it's almost like a uh, obsession. You know, the movie, The Magnificent Obsession? Oh, it was a wonderful movie, old movie. Old. But anyway, it's an obsession, this idea that, that we have things we need to do, and I'm the worst, I'm sure. But, but, um, 
and replying to emails is it's it's so like, occupying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I can't yeah. imagine life without doing that or what life. How do you was not like? re? How do you not reply to someone's email? I mean, within twenty four hours. <laughs> yeah. And there's some people who are very good at that at not replying. <laughs> very true i think uh, there was a sentence there on that last page where he says valuing for instance sitting meditation work over sweeping as if menial work were not practice and you know that's something that both peg and flint have said at least that i've heard from day one and that is that it's all practice whether you're sitting in the morning or whether you're doing something else or whether you're sleeping it's all practice mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thank you all so much mm -hmm. oh, thank you it's nice when we do the, and you know this when we do the the soji the work practice and the time's up that we with that we stop yeah so, so hard <laughs> it's so hard so we want to cheat you know, especially if the deck is half swept or something. Mm -hmm. Sorry for laughing earlier, Nyota, because I thought that your practice is like my case. It's like it's uh, psychological instead of like physical. Because when I have to do something that I don't want to do, I will have some symptom like that. It's like, oh, I'm sick. I'm so tired. Oh. <laughs> no, see, oh, Nancy, no, no, not an issue. My problem is I want to do everything. I mean, that's really the problem. <laughs> it's like, oh, I had, you know, eight majors because I wanted to major in everything. <laughs> and I you want to do. You sound like Flint, Nancy. I mean, Nelda, <laughs> you sound like Flint. <laughs> I want to do everything. <laughs> Sometimes I think, you know, you guys have heard that old adage, um, do one thing and do it well. Sometimes I think learning to sleep well is a good goal to have. Oh, yeah. <sighs> or mm. learning to rest well. Rest well. Yeah. You know, we're listening to dogs. They have it down, don't they? Well, they try. You know, they sleep yeah. when they're tired and they eat when they're hungry and yeah. Mostly sleep. <laughs> and they bark whenever they want to. <laughs> yeah, I just I want to apologize again, but while I'm here in California, I just I I I, I really, and this goes to what you're talking about, Nelda, it pains me greatly that I can't give you all my undivided attention on Monday nights, but I have an old dog that I, I just, I have to keep an eye on. And, you know, it's not fair to him if I just lock him in a bathroom for an hour and a half. So, you know, please forgive my continued disruptions. I was actually referring to my two doggies because here in the back little house, the right next to the, the bedroom, 
there's that other building next door and it's occupied by some college students and they seem to arrive at you know midnight two three in the morning sometimes and I love my doggies they're so protected they're gonna let me know about every single little noise and so I do love that but sometimes I'm just falling off to sleep and then bam they shock me into awakeness and I'm like well, that's your doggy nature, not your fault. I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's just their doggy nature. Yeah. No need, Kim, are no you need. the only one that doesn't have a pet? Kim? Um, a pet? Well, are- it's very sad. Um we had pets till today, I think, but we have mosquito fish, and we had to turn off the uh, the ponds. Oh, because uh, Linda was afraid that once they start icing up so much, then the, there's no water for the pump, and then the pump will burn out. Right. So, so I don't know if they'll survive, but I. Aww. They're pretty hardy fish. But they live in the streams. Yeah. yeah, we had koi in St. Louis, and for years we, we heated the water, but then we quit doing that, and there was a little area just about this big at the bottom of the pond, and they would just go in there for the winter, hmm. and, and the pond would be totally frozen, except for this little area, and and oh. they they lived, and anyway, I don't want to tell you the sad part of the story, but it wasn't because of cold weather. <laughs> we all have so we have, yeah yeah and it was we had two dogs in st louis and that was very dramatic we had to give them back to to um the rescue things and so now we just have imaginary animals and and there's no grief with them <laughs> so i think that's uh, then Birds are, because we have the two ponds, the birds come and drink, and the birds are, were there looking around for the water and couldn't find it. And so, well, everything's um, frozen. Yeah. 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 But it looks like all of you have electricity. Oh, Thank it, goodness. Yes. Yeah. We did it on Saturday. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people are, it's a, been a problem for a lot of folks. Yeah, my friend that called me uh, when we first started, uh, he lives by himself. And so he was completely cut off. You know, he had no TV, mm. um, no internet, you know, nothing. And his phone was only working intermittently. Um, oh, no. And so he called me at that point and just needed to talk for a bit. But I, I don't know how people are doing it with, um, yeah, when they rely on, on those other things. Joan Harmon just sent me a message. Hello, friends. Our power has been out since 2 a.m. this morning. It did come on for an hour around 4 and raise the temperature from 51 to 62, as well as our hopes before going out again. We'll take what we can get. It is likely I won't be able to join you for council meeting. So we are What's- council meeting. What's the um, date? What's the time on that? Twelve minutes ago. Oh, I guess that means that I'll be um, filling in for tomorrow morning. Can can they get to the Zendo? I, I the thought of them going through the night with no power. Why right? would they go to the Zendo? 
We're to have some, it. have some have warmth. It. I'm thinking have oh. some warmth and sleep. Oh, for that, yes. Um, well, I can suggest I, that to her. Well, I told her earlier I would cover for her, and then she said, well, the power's back on. And so I said, well, let me know, but I haven't heard from her. Maybe she wrote me a note, and I haven't seen it. So that's good to know. That means that I'm on. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about, um, Nancy, you and Nelda, weren't you both in Todd's one day sitting? Yes. Yeah. Were I you was. there, Nelda? Did you say Todd? Yeah, Saturday. She did a one-day sit. Friday and Saturday. No, they canceled it. No. no. Yeah, I don't remember. Nancy I, and I were there. Oh, you I were don't, I don't remember. I was remember. thinking you were there. Okay, I guess I it was remember. just Nancy. No. But Nancy, do you remember? I mean, a lot of people asked Todd about that very question about when is, when is my mind going to stop wandering? You know? Or maybe that was just in my group. Um, but that's what people, I thought I heard him, someone ask him that also about after his talk was, when, when am I going to be able to settle down into sitting and my mind stop wandering? And that's what Google Go is saying here too. That's never going to stop. Never. Yeah, never. Does. So in, in uh, maybe it was my group. Yeah. In, in meditation, I, I guess I'll, you know what? I need to set up that session with Peg and I'll ask her this practice question. <laughs> That's a good idea, Nelda. Yeah, I was about to ask a practice question, but I'll ask Peg. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. I do remember I read a book that they said that um, you cannot stop your talk, but there is a way that you can uh do it by as like you don't stop it but by concentration on what you're doing your thought will cease hmm. uh, maybe that's isn't that the practice i guess behind um concentrating on your breath mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. or you can concentrate concentrate on anything yeah like your work or like like Besides Sutra or something like that. Yeah. Or like both um Bodhisattva name, which we used to say, like Omani Pamiho, something like that. Yeah. Well guys, are we done? I think yeah, it's 8.30, I think. We can thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you all so much. So I guess Gail and Donna didn't have electricity, maybe? Donna didn't hear from them? Okay. Well, we can certainly keep everybody in our thoughts and say meta for them. Oh, I see. So you're going you're gonna to lead tomorrow, Lori? Yeah. Okay. I, the last one... Joan has uh, signed up. No, I know that, but the, what does the last message say? From, from, from Joan? Oh, she, well, she didn't say anything about tomorrow morning. She, 
I wrote, the Zendo is warm. Do you want to go there? Bring water, though. Oh. <laughs> okay, so, okay, all right. We shall see. She'll yeah. see. Sounds like I'll be, I'll be taking her place. Will you guys get some rest tonight? Enjoy your warm uh, homes. Yeah. And oh, the beautiful snow outside. And take care of yourself out there, Stephanie. Yeah, I will. And my dog. Okay. Oh, good. <laughs> good right. night, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for leading, too, Nancy. Yes, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you.